For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Happy Hour Podcast. I am your host, Ricky Valero. On today's episode, we are going to take a dive into the dynasty world for Matthew Fox in running back position, and I'm going to give my top 10. Apparently... uh... You don't deserve yes. to have a mic. It was such a hot intro that it cut you off. I don't know what's going on with my my headset today, but whatever, whatever, whatever just happened. I don't know what you guys heard, what you didn't hear, but we're going to dive into the top 10 running back situation in Dynasty um, from the perspective of Matthew Fox. And then I'm going to give my top 10 running backs in football just from a football perspective. Um, we've been having fun doing, we had fun really doing this over the quarterback position. So Fox and I decided to collab back together, um, obviously with his um, incredible mind in the world of fantasy football and dynasty football. So, and then of course, with my mediocre mind in the world of football, just to make people mad, I decided to, you know, flip flop the rankings. But uh, the quarterback one was fun. I thought that we were close on a lot of the different things because when you look at it, fantasy and and regular football, most of your top five quarterbacks are going to be within that same ballpark because if they're scoring points, that means a good quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. But with that said, I am joined by my partner here, Mr. Matthew Fox. How are you, sir? Doing pretty good. Enjoying a nice little uh, Wednesday here. We have the potential for snow squalls this afternoon, so can't see how that'll go wrong. Uh, yeah, it's 76 degrees right now here. So that's pretty cool um, after being like 30 last weekend. So, yeah, it was 62 here yesterday. Uh, right now, I think they said it's like 18, 19 degrees. I love that. I love that quite a bit. I mean, how just how can we consistently uh, just watch things kind of go? um a wire you know what i mean like this weather this entire off season or this entire season has been just completely crazy um i was just pulling up um just some of the recent tweets there from um and mr Schefter. obviously the um titans decided to cut just about everybody in their organization today just uh to free space they started the day over 25 million dollars over the cap space, and then, of course, releasing Taylor Lewan, Randy Bullock, and Robert Woods. They are now $4.23 million under the cap, so that's good for them getting any underneath the cap. Um, let's see here. Anything else really intriguing happening? Obviously, the numbers came out for the uh, uh, franchise tags. Um, the number for the quarterback is $32 million, so Lamar Jackson will probably get that franchise tag. He paid at least $32 million this year. 
uh, running backs at $10.10 million um, for obviously with the idea of Saquon Barkley being out there. Um, I think Daniel Jones more likely to get it for the Giants. Um, and that, which is absurd to me. But then, and then of course, with the wide receiver position you have, actually, you know what? It's not. Um, we'll go back to that in just a second. I actually have a thought about that. Wide receivers at 19 million, which is really high. Tied in at 11 million. We won't go any further. Sorry. But kickers are people too, though. $5.33 million for the uh, kickers. Obviously, some of the people that are potentially in the designated the franchise of transition they have listed. Uh, Lamar, Daniel, Saquon, Gino, Tony Pollard, Dalton Schultz, Orlando Brown, Jesse Bates, Darren Payne, and Josh Jacobs. Uh, one of the things that I found... would be crazy if the Raiders franchise take Josh Jacobs after denying his fifth-year option. I mean, but that's the same thing, though, with Daniel Jones, though. I mean, they did the same thing with Daniel Jones, but... Well, no, I feel like it's a little different situation because Daniel Jones, I don't think they knew if he was going to be part of their plan going forward. I think Josh McDaniels decided he, Josh Jacobs, wasn't the running back he wanted because in preseason it looked like he was doing everything he could to make Zamir White a thing, and then all of a sudden just sees Josh Jacobs' production, he's like, oh, I made a mistake. Although he would never admit he made a mistake because he's fine. I think it's fine because honestly, like obviously we're in a world where running backs are, uh, you know, their cycle's not very long. I don't, I don't hate the idea of not franchising them. I just think that Josh Jacobs also how he handled it, which is basically how he's handled everything in his coaching career um, has been lackluster. Um, Obviously, we saw the reports today, uh, this week that Daniel Jones is seeking $45 million a year, which is completely and utterly laughable. The thing about this is, and actually, you brought up a very good point for me um, that I think is what could probably be the Giants' best move um, is to franchise tag him and let him play out during, throughout the franchise tag. And, and let him have another prove it style year. First, if you're if you're Daniel Jones, you're getting 32 million, right? So you know what I mean. That's that's a plus for Daniel Jones. Obviously, there, the injury risk is there. You know what I mean. But you're still guaranteed at 32 million there. But the thing about it is, is when I heard he was looking for 45 million, now that's probably on the high end, right? You know what I mean. I personally feel like if you're looking at like a run of the mill average quarterback, that's a, he's, the thing about it is. I don't love Daniel Jones. I don't think he's a great quarterback. I think he's a starter in the football, in the national football. He is. He's a starter in the national football. I'll say that about him, kind of. But I'll say that about him. But in my opinion, $45 million is money that we're going to pay Patrick Mahomes. We're going to pay, you know, Aaron Rodgers even. We're going to pay Joe Burrow. Um, We're going to pay guys that that have – you could say consistently have proven what they, what they're capable of doing. The problem I have with Daniel Jones is in my opinion, he's like a 20 to $25 million guy. In my opinion, if he's willing to take 20, $25 million, run the hash. But the problem is, is this reminds me of, and I've said this before, it reminds me of the Blake Bortles situation down in Jacksonville, right? They went to the AFC title game. They were, they wanted nothing more than probably to get rid of, of him at the end of that season. But then they miraculously made it to the NFC title or AFC title game. And then he got paid. And then of course, what happened? It kind of set the franchise back a little bit after that it went to shambles. They traded everybody. And of course now they're kind of on the verge of maybe possibly bringing that back, but it was a couple of years of dreadedness. 
Fox, what are your things? Uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, on the the idea of him wanting forty five? Which you can't be mad at the idea, but how much would you pay him? And or or would you think the idea of possibly making him pay out on a play on a play uh, play out on a franchise tag, and then seeing what happens from there? Sounds like. I don't know if I believe the $45 million thing. I guess we'd have to see. I don't think any team is going to go that high. Um, Not for Daniel Jones. Yeah. I mean, we haven't even seen them willing to do that for Lamar. And Lamar has higher, you know, has probably higher upside. But in terms of dynasty, I almost think Daniel Jones is verging on being safer because if he gets in the right system we've seen him be a a good producer he was quarterback nine this year and he doesn't seem to have the same injury risk as Lamar Um, you know so of all the quarterbacks that are potentially out there in the free agency pool he might have the best dynasty potential if he gets somewhere and that's why I think the Giants will probably franchise tag him and then they will work out some kind of deal that works for both of them. And I'm thinking probably a three-year contract is what he ends up signing. Yeah, I just – that's the thing with that is, is honestly, I think their best – like, actually, you you brought to my attention them franchise. I think franchise tagging him and and or giving him, like, a two-year deal with, a third, with the third year being an option. Like, you have to be able to get out of this contract after a year if he goes out there and just regresses. You know what I mean? Like – we saw some strides from Daniel Jones, but is but what we saw out of him in the playoffs, that was just that's not gonna win you like you're trying to win a super I mean every every team's trying to win a Super Bowl, but they overachieved this year quite a bit. You know what I mean? And in order to not regress next year, you need to make sure you don't follow those same steps as you did. Uh, as like the Jaguars did, you know what I mean. And I also think he'd be asking them to help him avoid the same thing that's happened to Lamar, which is getting put on an offense that has no weapons. I mean, the Giants, the Giants had a pretty poor receiving core. I'm glad they re-upped Isaiah Hodgins. They seem to have found something there, but they got to do something. And I think they got to seriously look about what is it worth trying to release Kenny Galladay because that seems to be money you're never going to recoup and production. I, I loved Kenny Galladay when he was on Detroit. I wasn't wild about when he signed with the giants, but now I'm not wild about it for wholly different reasons. I thought he was too good for the system they put in, but it turns out he ain't got nothing left or that's not the right spot for him. I don't know. It that's got to go down as one of the most curious and worst free agent signings we've seen of late. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree 100. percent I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of befuddled with the, the entire thing, um, because it's it just, again, I agree with you. I don't know if that number, maybe that number is just thrown out there. Just, there's a lot of things that people. Well, that he just changed agents. So, is your new agency making a big splash, going out there saying, "Hey, uh, we're going to get you." 45, you know, we're going to talk about getting you 45. And are they throwing that huge aggressive number out there in the hopes that the Giants franchise tag on that gives them the leverage to get like, you know, because Spot Track, I think, was projecting that he'd be in the 20 to 25 million dollar range. If he can get 30 a year for three years, that seems like, you know, if you're talking about a three year, hundred million dollar deal, that might be pretty, pretty good. 
Yeah, exactly. It's not it's not as bad. And like I said, I just feel like if you could do one of two things, if you can do a two year contract that you can or a three year contract you can get out of year two, uh, maybe with a, a team option for year three or something like that. I just feel like you have to have be able to get like especially with Brian Dable, you gotta be able to get out of that contract after a year or two because you can't fixate your entire tenure surrounding a potentially failed contract with daniel jones but uh enough about daniel jones it's more than what i expected to talk about daniel jones in the podcast today but you know what that segment was brought to you by daniel jones oh that too <laughs> uh that being said uh without further ado i believe we're gonna go ahead and i'm just gonna give us a nice little transition tune for us to dive into this so let's go I'm trying to remember which one's our jamming one is it start and sit is it start and sit i think it is. might be yeah there it is i just wanted to pump up some music to get that perfect transition from speaking about the bad into the good here we're going to dive into our uh, top 10 running backs reminder fox is going to dive into the world of fantasy football and dynasty by talking about his top 10 dynasty running backs i'm going to dive into the world of just football and talk about my top 10 running backs we're going to switch it up a little bit. I'm going to let Matthew Fox do his 10 through 6. Actually, you know what? Yeah, 10 through 6, and then I'm going to do my 10 through 6. Let him do this 5 and 1, 5 and 1. All right, Fox, go ahead and hit me with your 10 through 6. I'm going to let him go first just in case I forgot a name on my 10 that I can slide into my top 10. You know, I I am very smart about this, guys. You guys don't understand. I, you know, I got it here. But, Fox, the floor is yours, my man. Yeah, and I'm glad we're doing it this way. Uh, 1 through 5 I feel pretty good about, and then – Five through 25, I've been just moving around <laughs> at will. So, you know, it's just we're at that weird point in the offseason. But right now, um, number 10 for me, Travis Etienne. Um, he was a first-round running back pick. He was a great producer in college. We kind of soured on him a little bit because he missed his entire rookie year. And then coming into year two, he seemed to be behind James Robinson being behind James Robinson lasted a game and a half. Then they traded James Robinson to the jets and he was never heard from again. So like Jimmy Hoffa, he either died or went into the witness protection program when he went to New York, I guess we'll find out this off season, but ATN went on to show all the things we liked about him. Potentially he was a very strong runner and he was a great uh, collaborator in the passing game. He seems like a real three-down workhorse. So those are rare uh, when it comes to running backs any day, any time now. He has that great connection with Trevor Lawrence. They played together in college. They're in the same draft class. I like what they're building there in Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville's poised to take another step forward next year. I think ATN for the next, you know, th- when you're talking about running backs, you really want that strong two- to three-year window Three to five year window is a bonus. So that's, I like the position. I like where he's at. I'm going with him. Number nine, Josh Jacobs. This could change greatly depending on his landing spot. But we finally saw Josh Jacobs get the usage that we had all hoped for in 2022. And what did he do with it? He looked incredible as a receiver and as a runner. I honestly don't think the Raiders are going to franchise tag him and i don't think he's back with the raiders i think he's one of the most intriguing free agents spot track actually projected josh jacobs to have the highest contract potential of all the free agent running backs and yes that includes saquon barkley so that is something to keep an eye on i think there's great potential there but also he's 
in a volatile spot because he's not connected to a team. If it goes to the wrong place or goes to, you know, there's been some rumors about him signing with Denver. That would, to me, kill both him and Javante Williams, who is a guy I've dropped down a little bit this offseason because it just seems like the Broncos are going to do something else. But if both those guys are there, I think you're back in a situation where Jacobs has all the talent in the world but may not get the touches. Number eight for me is Austin Eckler. He's still getting pretty incredible usage. I do think with Kellen Moore there, they're going to get some kind of running back, whether it's getting Isaiah Spiller actually involved or picking up somebody. But Eckler, you know, he's been the number one fantasy producer the last couple of years. You have to give him the respect because of what he can do in the passing game and as a touchdown scorer to leave him up here. But he's really on the outside edge of that two- to three-year window. Uh, number seven for me is Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt is a free agent, probably not coming back. Dearness Johnson is a free agent, probably not coming back. I think that means more opportunities for Chubb, and we've seen him be incredibly productive when he's given the ball. In that two- to three-year window, I like the potential of him being a power runner paired with Deshaun Watson because Watson historically throughout his career has not been a big dump-off to the running back passer anyway. He's looking for a big run producer and then getting the passing game going. I think that might fit the offense that they're trying to run. And then the last one in this stretch, number six, Saquon Barkley. He's, again, another player that's in a weird position because he's hitting the free agent market. He had an incredible rookie year. He was bogged down by injuries and inefficiency for a couple of years, and then he had a great year last year when he found a coach who knew how to use him and he was able to stay healthy. Health is a huge question mark for me, but he still has – Huge talent and upside. So right now, I have him in there at number six. Who did you say number eight was? I missed eight. For Austin Eckler. Eckler. That's what I thought. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Honestly, honestly, I think I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good. I think there's like one guy that um, one back a little bit higher, but actually in football terms, obviously not fantasy terms. You know what I mean? Like I said, I, I'm. We're, we're doing the split here of making sure that that either or guy, you know what I mean? Either one of those guys are in that boat right there, right? So it's it's definitely hard to take a look at. But at number 10, um, you know what's crazy? I almost went ET in number 10 because I think he impressed me a lot. But I'm looking at full body of work, you know what I mean? We need to see consistency a little bit out of him. Um, you're right. It, I, I was even me as a guy that loved Etienne was very surprised at what he brought to the table this past year. And if it's something he can produce, as you said, for two or three years in the, in the world of, of running backs, it's impressive. Finally, making returns on that high uh, rookie draft pick that everybody, <laughs> including myself, in a big, big, big league, I had him and was terrified moving into year two. But uh, he definitely produced at a high level. Um, and number 10 for me, I went Joe Mixon. Um, just a guy, he's a consistent producer. I do think that he might become a cap casualty, um, this off season. Uh, there's talks of them cutting him, which I do think would be, um, the biggest problem with Mixon is, is a terrible pass blocker, like absolutely abysmal pass blocker. And we saw that in the playoffs because, you know, we saw a lot more P Ryan than we did Mixon. And then the one time we did see Mixon on that pass protection, my goodness, right. You know what I mean? It was, it was really bad. Um, I like Mixon. I do think that he's on, like you mentioned, that back half of of his career. You know what I mean? I do think that he's on the, but he's still a very good producible running back. Um, let's see here. At number nine, hang on a second. Let me. Yeah, you threw you threw one of my list for a curveball here. Number nine, I do have Miles Sanders. 
another guy. Interesting prospect there as well because I think he's going to be – he'll eventually be the odd man out in Philadelphia when it comes to who's getting paid and who's not getting paid or who where do we need to trim some fat because we've seen Scott and Gainwell come in and produce in that offense. I don't think you need a Class A running back in that offense, but you made me uh, appreciate Sanders a lot more than I thought that I did uh, going into this when we were talking about him in the regular season. He quietly, in my opinion, quietly, maybe not quietly to everybody else, but quietly rushed for 1,200 yards this year and 11 touchdowns, right? You know what I mean? To me, I didn't realize how much he had produced this year. And that offense is very, very, very fantasy, you know, sexy in in terms of whatever. And I do know there's a lot of people that really hope that they produce, produce that high draft pick with a running back. But I don't for, I don't see why they would do that when you look at Gainwell, you look at Scott and what they were capable of doing, filling in, not even filling in, but late in games. You know what I mean? I think there was what I think it was Gainwell had a couple hundred yard games down the stretch, including in the playoffs. So it's something to me that's kind of shocking there. But I like him a lot. Um, at number eight, Dalvin Cook, a guy that should be, I think Matthew Fox would even agree to me, should be at the top of this list. You know what I mean? He should be near the top of the list. Um, when you look at him, another guy, injury prone, very concerning there. Um, hasn't been consistent enough to be healthy. And if you look at his stats from last year, I mean, yeah, one 100 yard game, or I'm sorry, two 100 yard games last year, several games that he averaged and, and kind of uh, mustered up, you know, three, three and a half yards per carry. But a guy that I personally like, but I just don't think that. Um, He's the type of producer that you're looking for anymore. And honestly, I kind of hope he gets cut because I really just want Matson to get a shot at that job and just run with it. Because there's been times where I felt like I don't know if Matt, he, Madison's a free agent. Ah, oh, son of a bitch. All right. Well, that's not gonna happen. That was Miles Sanders. Oh, Miles Sanders is a free agent. I forget Sanders is a free agent. I felt I felt like he had one year left on his contract. No. That's my bad. Well, Sanders is gone, I believe. I, I think that he's gonna be. I think he's gonna. He's. I don't think he's gonna take a last uh, a pay pay cut or anything like that because he probably knows this is his last hurrah at the running back position, trying to get a nice little payday. Yeah, we'll see. Fox should have already corrected me. I'm an idiot. All right, there we go. I'm an idiot. There we go. I'm on number seven. Correct. I got Austin Eckler, guy that I love. Um, if I could get, I wish we could get 17 games out of this guy every year. Um, because honestly, he is a monster. He's very important and vital for Josh, Justin Herbert in this offense. And, um, you know, we've seen some questions and concerns of what they might potentially do this offseason with, you know, maybe cutting Keenan Allen, maybe trimming some fat because of contract reasons. I really hope that they find a way to to bring this unit back. But uh, Austin Eckler, a guy I love dearly. Josh Jacobs comes in at number six. Um Again, this comes from a just a you know a football perspective. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just he's a he's a he's a damn good running back that has produced this year. Um, what he does this year really kind of determines how how we look at him, look his trajectory, right? You know what I'm saying? Because whether he comes back with the Raiders, I, I agree with you. I don't see that happening, especially how that kind of all played out and. I really don't know how anybody could really trust trust McDaniel's and that regime. Um, I would be first to admit. I told Fox I was excited, and you know, I thought potentially that he learned 
from his mistakes and what he did in Denver. And apparently I was hundred percent wrong. So that's, that's uh 10 through six. What do you got Fox? What do you think? Yeah. So, uh, I forgot Cook, about Cook, Cook and uh, Sanders for me are in my my next tier. They're in the top twenty. I don't have Joe Mixon in my top twenty-five. I think he's this year's Melvin Gordon in terms of he's going to get released and he's never going to be a big producer again because he's not a good blocker. He was incredibly inefficient last year, and he carries some off-field baggage that. Um, yeah. To me, he's a giant sell in Dynasty. Uh, people still have name value. Just real quick, uh, I, I want to update my list because I forgot a guy. I need to update. So we're going to boot Mixon out of my top 10. We're going to go 10, Miles Sanders, Dalvin Cook, 9, Eckler, 7, Josh Jacobs, 6, and Aaron Jones. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Eckler's J- – Jacobs is 7, and then Aaron Jones is 6. I completely forgot about Aaron Jones. He's on my list, but I forgot that – I have my one through five sorted out. I love Aaron Jones. I think he's a very underrated back. I think that he's a team player. Listening to him talk about how he's willing to take a pay cut and, and he converted his money into um, helping the, the cap out for the Packers. I love Aaron Jones quite a bit and I felt bad and I still feel bad if I could rewind like 10 minutes and go back and put him on my list at number six. He was going to be number five, but then I realized Matthew Fox mentioned the guy that I didn't have at five. So here we are, and this is why Matthew Fox is way better at doing some of this stuff than I did. But, yes, Aaron Jones, number six. Sorry. I also have a ranking sheet that I have to fill out for uh, Campus to Camp, which helps. That's what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> uh, Aaron Jones is another one that I ha- I have in my top 20. I just have him. Again, it's been hard for me, you know, rotating yeah. rotating around my 11 to, to 20. I can make arguments for him. It's just sometimes situation and things. I am – uh, it's great that Aaron Jones gets to stay with the Packers, but I don't know what that Packers offense is going to be. And we still have A.J. Dillon. I think they both kind of cut each other's cap off a little, or, you know, their ceiling off a little bit for Dynasty. Um, but when it's coming to, to fantasy, my Dynasty number five, Najee Harris, um, he started off down a little bit in year two, but I think we underrated that he was coming off injuries because down the stretch, he got into the flow. Kenny Pickett figured some things out, and we saw more of the Najee Harris we had seen as a rookie being a three-phase kind of contributor and a great um, contributor for fantasy. So he's still up there for me. I think he fits in great in that short window. They are building kind of a young core there. They've got Pickett, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson. I wouldn't be surprised if they get another receiver they have uh pat fryer move and harris again a guy who's contributing in all three phases uh number four for me ken walker the third when he got his chance in seattle he was incredible he was what we hoped and what was advertised and there are very few coaches who historically throughout their career have loved to pound the rock more even when it doesn't make sense than Pete Carroll. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I think that's a, a good good player with upside in a good scheme. Number three for me, Jonathan Taylor. It was a little bit of a rough year, but hey, good news. Frank Reich is gone. Maybe the timeshare aspect uh, that you're pulling off with one of the best backs in the league is also gone. Uh, there are questions on that offense, but I think they're going to get a young quarterback and a young quarterback's best friend is a great running back and we've seen taylor uh do a lot some superhuman efforts number two for me Brees hall um 
We only got him for half a season and the beginning of that for reasons surpassing understanding. They wanted him to have equal playing time with Michael Carter. But when he started to take off, uh, it was well worth the wait. I love his potential, uh, especially as it seems like the Jets are going to go upgrade at that quarterback position, have a little bit of a better passing game when you put Brees Hall behind him. I think that's one of the reasons that's going to make that a very attractive opening. And then number one for me is Christian McCaffrey, where you've paired a guy that has all-world talent with an incredible offense that isn't afraid to use him as a passer, as a pass receiver, as a runner. Who knows? He may be doing kickoffs next. He might be playing defensive back. There is nothing McCaffrey can't do, and there's nothing that Kyle Shanahan won't use him to do. So I think he is back to being that number one. Um, So those are my top five for Dynasty. Yeah, I like that list quite a bit. Obviously, my mine's going to vary from that based on we talked about it. It's going to mine's based on football alone. Kenneth Walker is a guy that I can't wait to watch for the next few years. Um, personally, I think that um, I actually don't. I was Geno Smith surprised the shit out of me this year. Had an incredible year. I do hope they give him a little bit of money and pay that man. Um, you know, at least to be at least a bridge for somebody that they potentially draft in the, in the uh, NFL this year, but at least another year or two from Gino, but I love that. But coming in at number five, I've got uh, Derek Henry. Um, just, you know, for purposes all of loan, I mean, the guy is, 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 you know, consistently rushes for way too many yards in offense. That's just been putrid. I feel like I, I feel like this year, year before, he didn't even rush. Could you like imagine like a Derrick Henry in like an Eagles offense where there's actually a capable offense? I feel like we're, we get 1,500 yards, 13 touchdowns from Derrick Henry. That's nothing to like sneeze about. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's very impressive. But I feel like we don't, we get untapped potential from Derrick Henry because of the offense. It's just so lackluster. Um, coming at four, I love Saquon Barkley. I love Saquon Barkley. I've loved him a lot and seeing him healthy. I hope that we get another full healthy season out of this man. Um, he, he's got the hands out of the backfield, which is something I, I adore my running back. My personal preference for running backs is that dual threat running back. And that's why that's where Barkley is that slight edge over Henry just because of that. I don't feel like they use Henry enough out of the backfield. I've said that on the show probably a half a dozen million trillion times. Um, coming in at number three, Nick Chubb. I like Nick Chubb a lot. Um, I think you mentioned it, but if we could get Kareem Hunt out of this team, <laughs> maybe Chubb can reach his full potential. Because like Taylor, and nothing against Hunt. Hunt's a very is, is a pretty good back, right? You know what I mean? He's a good compliment back. But he should be a compliment back. This should be a guy that, you know, that's what they need in these type of teams whenever you have like um, – the Giants, or you have a Chubb, or you have a Henry, you have a complimentary back, a guy that comes in when your workhorse needs a nap, you know what I mean? Like, he needs that breather. But, like, looking at some of these games, and obviously I can't really see what the what the script was at the time, but I felt like when Watson came in, the offensive coordinator really changed the offense to really kind of put it towards, let's make Watson featured as the, as the, as the quarterback here instead of let's, you know, feature our workhorse. You know what I mean? Down the stretch, he had four games where we didn't see him touch the ball more than 17 times, but one time in that entire stretch. You know what I mean? Like, that's absurd. This guy should have 20, 25 touches 
a game guaranteed. And that doesn't matter. When I say that, I needed to be pass catching. I mean, if you look at the game against Pittsburgh, I mean, he had five catches, 45 yards for a touchdown. Why are you not putting this guy, the ball in his hands? He should have 100 yards a game, no matter what that, no matter what that looks like for your team. Coming to number two, Jonathan Taylor. I pounded on this table, on this very show, just as much as I did <laughs> about some other things. But Frank Wright should have been fired long ago. And I preached that, I think, was it the year before, Fox? I was preaching that because of how to utilize Taylor. And you're right. Yeah, and missed opportunities the way they fell out of the playoffs. It blows my mind that he still had a job for as long as he did. Thankfully, they got rid of him. I agree with you. Again, if you want to know my thoughts about Jonathan Taylor, just listen to my rant about Nick Chubb. <laughs> like, it's the same thing. You know what I mean? Give this man the ball 20 to 25 times a game. I don't care how you do it. People do forget. We Remember the whole debate of, well, Jonathan Taylor's not a pass catcher. Well, he proved that wrong in his rookie year. He can catch the ball. Give him the ball. Give him a – get him a 1,500 yards, 2,000 overall in the season. Jonathan Taylor, one of the best backs in football, period. CMC, obviously the best back in football. Can't really say anything about him. He is – when healthy, he's like a modern-day – uh, uh, LaDainian Tomlinson, modern-day Marshall Falk. He's that good. If not, if his trajectory would have been healthy, stayed healthy, and if he can go on his track, he's going to be one of the best multi-purpose backs that we've ever seen in the National Football League. I love him in this offense. I don't care who's quarterback. We saw it doesn't matter. CMC's going to produce. I love him in this offense, and I hope he's there for years to come. But CMC has been, in my opinion, the best running back in football for a couple of years. Obviously, his health does run into issues, but uh, he's a great multi-purpose back. I mean, you saw what he did with – you saw what he did at the last – what was it? I think he had a touchdown in what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I think it was like nine straight games or something like that. Dating back to December 4th. Yeah, December 9th. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine, nine straight games of touchdowns. Yeah. Um, he's just – he's that guy. You know what I mean? If we get – could you imagine what 17 games of CMC looks like in the 49ers offense? Oh my God. <laughs> I know. And that's actually one of the, so that's one of the reasons, honestly, that I dropped. Um, so first of all, they, they're going to have some weird quarterback stuff. Brock Purdy, we didn't talk about, but he still has swelling. So he's delayed his surgery. I don't know when or if we see him, I'm still not a big Trey Lance believer. I'm wondering if they are going to have to pick up one of these like veteran quarterbacks to stick on there somewhere. But this is why I, I dialed back um, Elijah Mitchell in my dynasty ranks because I, I still like his potential, but they're going to keep him because they want to have depth, but he, his ceiling is, is eradicated. But I also dialed back Debo Samuel because a huge chunk of the Debo Samuel fantasy experience was him being this jack-of-all-trades in the offense. Well, guess what? They have a new guy who's the jack-of-all-trades in the offense, and Debo goes back to being a receiver. And it's not that he's not a good receiver, and he has said seemingly in the past that he wanted to be more of a receiver. But I think McCaffrey being there caps the ceiling for all three pass catchers. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. I, I, uh, yeah, especially when you look at the quarterback situation, like you said. I mean, you, you don't know. We still don't know what Trey Lance has. 
You know what I mean? Whether you're a believer or a non-believer of Trey Lance, we don't know what's there yet. We've not seen an, uh, uh, the opportunity for him to produce for a lot of games. And because of that, that mystery is still there. So when we're going into the season, Jimmy G is gone. We know that. Jimmy G is gone. Good is gone, unless for some reason. So what team What team did you predict Jimmy G to go to? Um, did I do the – we didn't even talk about that incredible article that I drew up that you guys should go read as we're – I know today I released my uh, take on the, the five coaches, coaches including yeah, so- your friend Frank Reich. What we're talking about is go over to the Music City Drive-In, check out. Um, I can't believe Frank Wright got another job. I didn't even think about that until you just said, oh, my God. I makes me so angry. I just realized that. I just You wanted to make me mad all over again. I, I, I see that now. I'm really upset now. Um, but, uh, yeah, that just, oh, that just ruined my day. That's all right. You know what ruined my day? I listened to the introductory press conference for Jonathan Gannon, and I sort of drank the Kool-Aid. Now I'm excited to see him coach. <laughs> Um, my my prediction oh, for Jimmy Tampa G Bay was Tampa Bay. Bay. Okay, we're on the Bay. same page. Yeah, we're yeah. on the same page there. Where did you project uh, Derek Carr? Derek Carr Jets. I have him at the Jets. I, I couldn't I, remember I, where you did, but that's what I projected to Jets. So um, this, I'll just give a quick listeners for those at home. I did a car- quarterback carousel. I to try to do everyone where I just throw a dart against the wall and hope for the best. When it comes to quarterbacks, I'll just go over the ones that I have where changes sceneries are. I'm not going to go through every 32 teams. I have Gardner Minshew signing with Arizona as a spot gap guy for Huntley. Huh? I think it's Tyler Huntley. Uh, I like I like Gardner Minshew because of the ties with the court with the coach. Uh, Coach hired. I picked Tyler Huntley because the format of the quarterback stuff it's much better. It it makes sense. Uh, Let's see, Carolina Panthers, Will Levis. Um, and then of course, Darnold, I think his name Will is Levis Frank Craig. <laughs> they say, Will Levis sucks. I don't care what anybody says. Sorry, Chris Clarkson. Don't listen to the show, bro. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Watson, Chris, blah, 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 blah. Jordan Love, Pac, uh, Bryce Young, Houston, uh, CJ Stroud, uh, Colts, um, which I think CJ Stroud is the best quarterback as the Colts get him. Thank God for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I think Stroud's better than Young, but that's beside the point. Uh, I've got Rodgers going to the Raiders just because it makes too much damn sense. Uh, Anthony Richardson down to the Saints, um, which I think is another abysmal quarterback, but that's – I'm talking about those right now. Derek Carr, Jets, um, Jimmy G, Tampa Bay, and then I have Andy Dalton and Hayden Hooker for Washington. They already have a starting quarterback. Oh, Wow. I know. I put that. I stop it. I'm not. I, I refuse. I don't, I refuse to just even acknowledge the fact that they're acknowledging Sam Howell as their starting quarterback. I refuse to even think that's a real thing. You know what? I have Sam Howell above Trey Lance in my dynasty ranks. That's because you hate Trey Lance. So, <laughs> which the thing about it is, is it's funny that I, we talk about this. So I was not. To be fair, I was not ever sold on Trey Lance, but also. Nothing about the sample that we've been given makes me think that's going to work out either. See, let me explain this to you as well. Okay. So with that being said, right, it's funny. When he came out of college, I was anti-Trey Lance. But then going into this season, I was very pro-Trey Lance because I was like, let him prove everybody wrong. And then nobody proved anybody wrong. So I was like, all right, cool. He got hurt. Like, I don't even know. You know what I mean? I don't. And before that, he lost to the Bears. Well, 
you got to give a man 17 games to prove you wrong or right. Again, it's at four. So another six seasons, I'll get to 17. <laughs> I don't know. He plays two a year. Might take, uh, <laughs> might take a decade. That being said, uh, just a quick, uh, just a quick. What, what can we talk about real quick in the world of movies, real quick before we go? What have you watched recently? I haven't watched anything but trash reality shows. So, um, I watched We Have a Ghost, and uh, the embargo for that lifts really late on Thursday night. So my review drops Friday morning. But you can but say anything about it though. You can say something about it, right? I don't think so. I thought either. the social embargo is up because I've seen a lot of people tweet about it. Is it? Good? Oh, how about this? Answer the question. Did you like it? Um, it was interesting. I will say it was a lot different than what I expected from the director of Happy Death Day and Freaky. Okay, I like that. Um, did you you saw? Did we talk about Ant Man? We did. We did a podcast yeah. on that. What am I talking about? Leave me alone. I'm tired right now. <laughs> did we see Ant Man? Well, <laughs> who is the Ant Man that you speak of? Um, I'm hoping to see uh, the Jesus Revolution uh, today. We're supposed to talk about that today, but. I know the screener link got lost into the uh, got lost in the ether. Um, I've been watching uh, season two of Schmigadoon on Apple TV Plus, so you can look for recaps of that, which I did not realize does not release until Good Friday in April. Um, so I'm gonna have to sit on this for a long time. But I found the first season to be a treasure, and um, my thoughts have not changed. <laughs> I uh, I watched the the big door prize. Uh, I watched that on Apple TV, and I can't say anything about it because it doesn't come out until the end of March. So, you're um, so one show that's actually out that we can talk about is uh, Shrinking, which I've been enjoying. But season episode five, um, they got me. The, one of the best that I've seen so far. What this happens year. in season? What happens in episode? Five? I watched this like a month and a half ago. What happened in episode five? That was the one that released last uh, Friday, and um, I don't want to spoil it for everyone. But All right, we'll talk about it when we get off. There's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know how to. That's fine. That's fine. We, we won't. We won't talk about it because, yeah. But it's it's out now. If you haven't seen it, first five are out. And watch Apple. Um, watch the, it, please. The fifth one I thought was pretty stunning. I've kind of enjoyed the the first three of Hello Tomorrow, which uh, was not a series that was anything like what I was expecting. Um, I don't know how it works long term because of the construct of how it's set up, but I'm sort of enjoying the ride. Um, so we turned on Hello Tomorrow because we were looking for something to watch after shrinking, turned 30 minutes of it on, and my wife was like, no. So we stopped watching. <laughs> um, I can talk about, I did watch the first two episodes of Daisy Jones and the Six. Um, lots of praise on the intranet about it. I found it just fine. I don't care. Um, another show, watch with my wife. We were sitting there looking for something to because when we watch something, we like to binge it. You know what I mean? Like the the good the, the good door there, the big door prize. We watched it in two days. You know, I can't really say anything about it at all yet because the embargo is nowhere near time because it doesn't come out till like March 29th. So we're talking about all these shows that aren't even nowhere near coming out. But Daisy Jones and the Six does come out March second, third, fourth, one of those days on Prime Video. But uh, not a show, not my cup of tea. Not really enjoyed it. I will say this though, um, before we wrap up here, I did watch, I did rewatch the Woman King on Netflix. Which, if you haven't had the opportunity to see, please watch it. It's truly an incredible, incredible piece of film. 
Um, I love The Woman King quite a bit. Um, it's available on Netflix today. Um, yeah, any parting thoughts for the millions and by well, millions of people listening? As you know, I've been uh, bouncing around uh, improving my film history through the decades, which has led to, if you follow me on Letterboxd, my recently viewed, it looks like I'm having some kind of a seizure. But I will tell you that I'm working my way through trying to watch every Best Picture winner. I'm up to 80 out of 94. Oh, I love that. That means you watched last year's mediocre Best Picture winner. That being said, I am going to give it a go and say thank you guys for listening to another episode before Matthew Fox consistently yells at me. We filmed a little bit early last week. I forgot we didn't record last week. But um, but follow but follow Matthew Fox on Twitter at Nighthawk7734. Follow myself at RickyValair underscore. Um, and next week we will talk about a bear on cocaine. And um, maybe the Jesus, a cocaine Jesus Revolution bear next week on the show. And so, probably some wide receivers. And, well, that too. Probably wide receivers. But more so about the cocaine Jesus and fueled bear. So, Which face tattoo are you getting? Sam Howell or Malik Willis? Or one on each cheek? I hate you so Save big on Brunch for Mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.